Here's the actual song. <laughs> you a question what's the least meaningful music uh, to (laughs) you who headlines your coachella uh uh, of just the void of meaning and Hmm. content um funky town wow solid immediate (laughs) answer <laughs> I uh I can't imagine that that song means anything. Um yeah, I was tempted to pick something I really hate, but those the hate fills me with meaning and purpose because uh I must destroy it. So I got to go with something inoffensive yet um uh utterly devoid of um intent or purpose. Yeah, I think um it's true. What pops to mind first are are songs that I despise not just hate but despise mm-hmm. uh i can never remember the name of it the oh what a night song you know uh, oh what a night oh Let i think i know what you're talking about like that's to me a song <laughs> it, it has no meaning but then that i guess you know uh uh fiery rage rushes in to fill that void <laughs> exactly what about something like uh <laughs> to 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 resurrect this uh shit heap from the dead uh some nights by fun which strives for uh mm. a meaning tonight we are young but it's the most bland and most blandly expressed meaning a pop song could possibly have uh so maybe that's the least meaningful i don't know yeah uh i i guess uh there are some a lot of bands these days are on the cutting edge of meaninglessness <laughs> uh you know like imagine dragons uh, they they are just breaking new ground in terms of songs that are totally inoffensive. There's a brand if, of rock right now that just yeah means nothing to no one. Yeah, the most sort of uh, pre-digested version of rock possible. It's all like, um, how fast can you get to uh, get it on a, a major national TV commercial? <laughs> exactly. Um yeah, there's probably I I feel like the mid 2000s had a lot of this too of sort of like bland mid-tempo music that was designed to sort of appeal to mm-hmm. women who um 
uh, not that there's anything wrong wow. with women. Uh, I know. <laughs> to uh, boring people, man or woman, who um, uh, have like just gotten their first job but don't have a family yet and are sort of still trying to hang on to youth a tiny bit, but not by doing anything any anything actually dangerous. Um, I wish I could come up with some examples for this cutting description I've come up with. I but, see what uh, you mean. You you yeah. uh, you. Uh, there's a lot of muddy to be made in meaningless songs that remind you of something that had meaning. Yes, exactly. Mm. Um, a simulacrum of meaning. And that is where Sylvanesso comes in for our current generation. <laughs> Sylvanesso was so much better than that, and I don't even like Sylvanesso. <laughs> they were selling me something during the NBA playoffs. Oh. I guess get some money, Sylvanesso. Hey, the NBA money. playoffs this year have uh, Kendrick on ESPN and Joey Badass on TNT, so... Um, yes. We've come a long way from the days of fucking Matchbox 20 with uh, Santana, so I'm happy. Um, there, Paul, I think that song is the most <laughs> meaningless song to me. I don't like it. I don't hate it. It's just a song that exists and that I have listened to uh, um, with an affectless uh, grin upon my face. A stupid See, actually- grin. I actually do hate that song, and partially the reason I thought of it is I recently thought of the opening simile. Your love is just like the ocean under the moon. It's the same as the emotion that I get from you. And I was like, that just doesn't fucking signify anything at all. So maybe we've come all the way around, Joe. We found the most meaningless lyric. Yes, yes, and you don't stop. Cool ID, best rapper, you don't stop. Another fucking hundred fucking dollar for the style for you and your mind. Come on, yeah, you can never define anything but divine love. I'm a savage beast, <laughs> slightly above average at least. Nah, preference is relative. My references consistently uh, bring you to another vicinity. I hit you with the riddles consistently. Dead in the middle, a little triply. Little did we know that we triggered a fissure in the metaphysical imagery, elegant painted in oil. Love is a flower. See how. And welcome to Savage Beast. I'm Joe Gallagher, uh, and with me uh, in his house made of uh, gingerbread, chocolate cake, and Linzer torts, it's Paul McLeod. Hey, Joe. Uh, I'm not going to dignify that joke with an explanation for the befuddled audience. Outstanding. Um, yeah. Um, by the way, uh, our opening track was uh, Ground Control from Brood X, which is uh, the band led by John Spencer and his wife, Christina Martinez. And uh, I had never actually listened to John Spencer or Brood X, who have been around since the 90s. And uh, this album just came out and is uh, pretty dope for being a bunch of old people. Uh, so um, <laughs> props to them. Good for them. Um, yeah. <laughs> By old people, I mean people like five to eight years older than I am. <laughs> yeah, it's, we we have precious few years that we could even like claim to be young. Yeah, we will then only be young compared to the people even older than us. Not young by I mean, any like independent standards. I'm just gonna do a shitload of steroids. I don't know about you. Mm. Um, yeah, that'll be a good look for you. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> Veins and and I assume that when you do the steroids your skin gets all leathery and tanned because every steroid user has that. So your head will awesome. your head will shrink to a normal size. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, oh, oh. Uh I don't even think you have that big of a head, but it, it seemed like Thank the, you, yeah. the joke was there. <laughs> The listener will have to wonder if he hasn't met me. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, Joe, uh, you went to a concert recently. Is that is that not correct? I did. I saw the band that uh, uh, the band that built this podcast, uh, Radiohead, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, are they're they're kind of our our mother mothership. Yeah, I mean, they're still my favorite band. <laughs> yes, yes, good. Right there, you go. Um, uh, yeah, so I saw Radiohead, they played at the Moda Center, uh, first time, uh, in 20 years that they played in Portland, um, since the OK Computer Tour, uh, which Mm. Tom did mention. He said, uh, we haven't been here for 20 years, sorry we've been fucking busy. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Everybody Um, laughed. Yeah. Uh, Paul, the concert. Tom's a funny guy, despite everything. Anyway, he Paul. is. He is. Um, he's got good stage humor, um, which is good because the rest of the band basically stays silent. Um, yeah. Uh, I bet Ed would be fun to hang out with, but the rest of them, I mean, I bet Johnny doesn't say two words I if think, you go get a beer with him. I think Ed used to talk and now ha- has stopped. I feel like during the OK Computer, he used to like tell jokes on stage, and, and that has <laughs> that has ceased. Um, if you hang out with Phil, he shows you pictures of his kids for sure. Oh, definitely. He's probably, I feel like he's the nicest guy. Yeah. Um, um, oh, actually, Colin may be even nicer than Phil. He, I <laughs> That's feel like true. he'd be like, enthu- he'd be showing you like what book he was reading and looking at photos <laughs> of your kids. Uh huh. Absolutely. Um, and, and acting really interested. Mm hmm. Radiohead, they're great guys. Uh, yeah. They're also someday I'll have Colin sign my baby. <laughs> yes, it'll be great. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Um, uh, you can you need to reverse your vasectomy so you can have one more baby, <laughs> and then so he can sign it. Joe, uh, Joe, secrets, secrets. No, I kidding. shouldn't. I shouldn't have said that part. <laughs> Do we need to cut that? So you're. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I really don't mind. <laughs> it's just being funny. Um. <laughs> So uh, I envisioned like that. This is a, some like great family scandal that you've had a vasectomy. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. My wife will uh, literally burst in half if she gets pregnant again. So there we go. Uh, the vasectomy is reasonable. Um, so Radiohead, good guys, uh, fucking awesome band. Uh, they destroyed it. Um, the concert overall was uh, it was beautiful. It sounded beautiful. It looked beautiful. I had a great view kind of, you know, from the back of the arena. So I was like far away from them, like, like dead on. Um, and, uh, you know, they they brought out the, the giant screens and the columns of light, which is all I can mm. describe it. Um, and Such as those that protected the Israelites from the pursuing Egyptians at the parting of the Red Sea, perhaps? Yes, yes. I'm sure it was all <laughs> a biblical metaphor. Um, uh, so, um, I'm going to go through the, I feel like I'm going to go through the set list and have a 20 second comment on each song. Okay. Let's do it. It's going to be fast. All right. Um, okay. So they opened with daydreaming. 
mm-hmm. which was like half as long as the album. And they shot these beautiful white lights into the audience. Uh, it was just the whole arena was like a, a stellar landscape. I don't know. Uh, it was a good way, good song for Radiohead to start with. Uh, Is that, a stellar landscape not just a sky, the, the night sky, Joe? But it was like you were on the star. Oh, oh okay. You okay, know, you're like it. standing on the star. Um, Got it. And they played Desert Island Disc, which was just as beautiful live as it is on the album. Mm. I love it. I feel like the fans haven't quite come around to it. Um, then they played Full Stop, which I now, uh, which fucking rocked. Hmm. Um, uh, and then I, I tweeted. Uh, so okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt this. The they came out and like <coughs> daydreaming started. Um, I stood up. And nobody fucking else did. And I like looked Aww. around and I was like, nope, fuck this. Every single person behind me has to stand for this concert. And I stayed yeah. standing. Much credit to my wife who joined me, did not try and like pull me down. She was like, oh, wow. Supported me. Um, she also loved the concert. She said it was maybe the best concert she'd been to. Um, so. Um, nice. Where were you situated? I know it was in like the basketball arena. Where were you sort of like clockwise? clock number wise from the stage like it's six o'clock if they're at 12 o'clock oh really like a little far but like the perfect view and like the sound was great back there because sometimes i I hate kind of sitting on the side and looking at them so yeah i had a i saw them at a similar venue in phoenix on their last tour Mm -hmm. and uh i was at uh if they're at 12 i was at like 7 30 or so yeah so yeah not as not as good right i was on the side for sure right um and uh, uh, so, but then they played Airbag, 15 Step, and the National Anthem all in a row, mm. which got people nice. out of their fucking seats. Um, nice. All three of those songs rock. Uh, the National Anthem has become a straight banger, um, and they played Hunting Bears at the end of it, uh, which, you know, Hunting Bears, eh, whatever. That's the little <laughs> instrumental song from Amnesiac. <laughs> but, like, at the end of National Anthem. Yeah, that's a good uh, palate cleanser beautiful. in that position. Um, uh, <coughs> fifteen step. You know, it didn't. You don't really. That, that's. I feel like that's become a Radiohead standard. Oh, uh, it's a great song. Yeah, and I will say with Airbag, I I listened to a recording of it from the concert already, and I, I have to say that Tom has become a. He scream warbles now, <laughs> instead of singing. He he's his singing is at the next stage, but he's handling it well. <laughs> it could also just be an off night. Uh, no, that's, I, that's I've seen many recordings, and I, I think that's yeah. just where he's at right now. You know, for a long, <laughs> he maintained for a long time, like being able to you yeah. know, hold those super long notes. Um, so then they played, <laughs> uh, they played Separator, uh, all all I need, still one of my favorites mm. from In Rainbows, um, and. Uh, then they played uh, Street Spirit, which um, uh, I, I don't know. That's I'd never heard that. S- I guess they actually played that song at the concert you and I went to. Okay. Um, they may have played it there. But just hearing that one, um, it's amazing how well that song holds up, even though yeah. it's super angsty. Um, <laughs> I feel like Radiohead's angst is so much more applicable right now than it has been for the past few years i don't know or like it's really <laughs> ripened again um, yeah 
overall, I mean, and then they played Bloom. Um, and they, mm. I saw, so I saw them on the last tour too. Um, and they really, I don't know what it was, what it was about the, the shows for King of Limbs. I mean, maybe it's just that King of Limbs is a weaker album, but it, these, this was just so much better. And I mean, it was, that really? was also an arena show. And I just felt like here that they were playing so many more songs, like, cause King of Limbs, they were playing all these songs from King of Limbs and then like four new songs yeah. at like all those shows. And it, and like when I saw them, they also played like the gloaming and <laughs> you know, it, it was just, the, yeah, it, it was sort of like, it wasn't the friendliest Radiohead show. Whereas gotcha. here, I felt like they were back into it. All the songs from uh, Moonshape Pool sounded fantastic. And it's just really like uh, set that album. I, I just realized like that album really is as great as it seems, which is a silly thing to say. Of course, it's great. But it's like <laughs> it's better than King of Limbs. Like it's yeah. I, I think for sure. I think. Um, yeah, I think we can say that safely now. Nine or 11 months passed. Um, mm-hmm. you are correct. Um, it's funny. Yeah. I, with the King of limbs tour, um, uh, I enjoyed myself. I didn't regret the expenditure, but, um, uh, it was not my favorite show ever because it was an arena thing, which I've, that might be the only time I have, you know, taken myself to an arena show. Right. I went to like an Amy Grant show in the arena when I was a kid, um, uh, with my parents. <laughs> and that's why you <laughs> no, lost your virginity. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I was in middle school then. Not that cool. Um, but, uh, yeah. So this time around I was like, eh, I won't spend the hundred, hundred fifty dollars or whatever and drive, you know, an hour and a half each way, um, for another arena show. Um, uh, if they even played Phoenix, which they might not have. I don't think um, they did. Yeah. Uh, so I could have gone to L.A. or something, which would have been really out of the way. Right. Um, but uh, uh, it's interesting to hear that it was really good. So maybe next time around on there, uh, I'll do it and then find out it's a less good concert <laughs> album. And then uh, the cycle will continue. Well, I think they've accepted that they are like a little more of uh, in the classic rock phase of their of their, you know, the Radiohead's version of the classic rock phase. You know, they have fans from throughout their career and they just need to yeah. sort of focus on like pl- picking the songs from their catalog that they want to play <coughs> rather than um, like it being a tour in the spirit of the newest album. Yeah. Um, you know, they might have legit hardcore fans who loved their new s- their, their, their stuff when it came out from the ages of like 18 to fucking 60 yes uh, now that i think about it and that was an evidence at this show i mean it was definitely starting to get a little older and it was interesting to see people who were in their 40s at least there realizing that like i liked radiohead you know when i was a teenager that's like when the bends and okay computer came out but there were people yeah. there were people also like our age now when that came yeah. out who were probably like this fucking owns yeah, I mean, like, I I went to a car seat headrest show. If they're still making good music in twenty years, I mean, I might go to one of their shows and be like, uh, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, in an arena, let's hope they're playing in arena in twenty years. Oh God, no, arenas suck. I would <laughs> I would rather pay five hundred dollars for a club show once in my life than have arenas. But I realize that's yes. not very democratic. Oh, uh, no. But just we'll just you'll just be watching good. them on your VR headset. It'll, 
It'll yeah, be, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll be I'll be watching their their third clone band uh, touring uh, simultaneously with the other clone versions of whichever bands exactly. I love. Exactly. Um, so okay, so then I, this is this part blows me away. Um, the the song that got the biggest immediate crowd reaction got everyone going was um everything in its right place huh which is yeah yeah i realized like that's the perfect intersect of all those different groups like they were mm-hmm. all almost all of them were there for kid a and it, it it must be like kind of the album of radiohead that really links everybody yeah well, I mean, that's, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that song is perfect for a concert because it's immediately recognizable and it comes on soft, but you know that it's going to build into something really wild right. in a few minutes. So people get, get hype when it comes on. Probably. Yes, yes. Um, I have to admit, I knew it was like, as soon as Tom was playing something super weird on like his little organ, I was like, they're about yeah. to play it. I feel like yeah. I feel like everyone else was none the wiser. <laughs> but the <laughs> other great thing about that song now is like, <coughs> They really let Colin go fucking wild at the end, and oh, really? uh, it was a, a real jam that was probably the only song of the night that truly separated a lot from the album version. Um, cool. Uh, just Radiohead. They don't always do. Uh, they played There There, fucking awesome. Weird Fishes, fucking awesome. I Might <laughs> Be Wrong. Uh, all-time banger, uh, Idiotech, which just never, ever gets old. Yeah. And they close the main set with Nude, um, which is a really cool way to close the set, I thought. Um, and uh, they yeah. added, it, it's louder, has more distortion kind of in the bridge uh, when they do it live, nice. which is cool, yeah. Um, so then the encore, they open with Glass Eyes, uh, which is low key one of my favorite songs from a moon shaped pool and they played it in front of this really like weird visual thing on the on the this like looked like a giant radar screen and it's like just tom and it's just it's a beautiful song to hear him sing um no surprises which uh the corny lines about bringing down the government were just a giant <laughs> hit um great song of course uh then they did burn the witch which is uh they um skip the strings and just play it like a normal radiohead rock song uh, nice. which is fucking cool um then came the highlight of the night for me um because for, for some reason i hadn't been thinking about them playing this song um i i don't know why um and then they play it was uh reckoner which was just, oh yeah I, I mean you know obviously one of if not the best radioheads you know one of, yeah. if not the best song, um, I, I've come to, uh, uh, and and it was just uh, d- definitely like an overwhelming, like emotional moment to be like there listening to them playing this song, at at mm. that point in the in the arena, like just beautiful. Um, at the oh, yes. at at the tail end of such a good concert, um, uh, I was I was somewhat mis- <coughs> somewhat misty eyed. Um, and they played, they closed that encore with Lotus Flower, um, uh, and encore two was the, your concert standard, You and Who's Army, a song, which is always a solid six out of 10 for me in Radiohead terms, (laughs) 
probably eight <laughs> out of ten f- compared to other bands. Um, and ended with Creep, which uh, the whole audience was like kind of like laughing when they started playing <laughs> it. It was pretty amazing. Um, That's nice. Yeah, but it was it was good to hear live. That was. Um, I, I yeah, they. Go ahead. No, they just hadn't played that at any of the concerts I've been to before. So. Nice. Yeah, when I saw them last time, they closed the first set with Paranoid Android, and it was a similar reaction. Like You could tell that Tom thought the song was really juvenile and dumb right. um, as he was doing it, but, you know, it's still a great song. They, yeah, and, and overall, I mean, you know, and I was I was also a little sad to see them. Not sad. I, I had some melancholy at some point during the show because I, I just felt like, I don't, Radiohead is going to be making music for, I hope they make music for like 20 more years, but mm-hmm. it, in a certain way, they could also be at the end of this tour be like, and we're breaking up. You oh, know? yeah. I, I just, I don't know. Any I got, day they could just say, yeah, we're done. <laughs> yeah. And I, I felt like suddenly I just felt like that was possible mm-hmm. and felt, you know, great sadness uh, yeah, a man. sad joy at the prospect. <laughs> huh. Well, that's a good, I I know that feeling and it's a good segue to our main topic for the night, which I think runs through a lot of the, uh, the music we've chosen. It is. It is. Thank you for letting me talk through the concert so uh, I can uh, kind of ramble through the set list. Uh, <laughs> no, it was good. Good to hear. And uh, good to hear. It was a great show. Um, like I said, I was underwhelmed by my previous arena experience and chalked it up to the arena, but maybe maybe I should give it another shot. I, I will say, Paul, no Radiohead concert will beat the Radiohead concert we saw together in 2001. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, first of all, you're going to need to be super dehydrated and sunburned. Yes. <laughs> and second of all, you're going to need to have some really gigantic blunts being passed out passed around you, which might have happened in Portland anyway, now that I think about it. But, uh, there was um, a little bit, but... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, but yeah, just being outside makes all the difference to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at the set list from that show, I'm sorry. It's like they played, uh, they played like exit music followed by climbing up the walls, followed by no surprises. I mean, just in the middle. Oh man, that was a good show. Yeah. Um, yeah. That no, was great. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> won't rehash. Um, uh, Paul. Let's review another Radiohead concert that happened 15 years ago. (laughs) That is the most Savage Beast thing to do at this point. Um, (laughs) We're here to talk about meaningful music uh, for the second time. Mm -hmm. There's more of it. There is for us. Uh Um, Yeah, so once again, we've each picked three tracks um, that um, I just took a very loose it needs to uh to have hit me real hard one way or another so um that's how i did it did you have a more specific set of criteria joe uh no you know i actually i feel like i i pulled my punches a little bit and went for tracks that i found meaningful um maybe at a little more academic level um Mm. to me uh i i as i even approach this today i realized that i probably have a batch of songs that uh have more like <coughs> emotionally you need a cough button over there yeah um, sorry i'm getting over a cold go ahead uh and, and have more like an immediate emotional tie that i could have picked so I, I kind of went in a different direction with this one and looked for songs that were like meaningful to me in terms of music 
Um, okay. Uh, which like like mean- like when you parse them as art, they have uh, special. They they reveal special yeah. sort of a uh, uh, technique or 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 craft to you. Yes. Um, there's uh, and of course that's on top of uh, they all of course have a have uh, sentiment and sentimental and uh, emotional resonance as well. Um, nice. I will say that uh, with these, I believe we picked six awesome songs. Yeah. Um, well, I hope you think so. I do. I do. <laughs> there's at least one I was gonna. I was worried you would. Uh, <laughs> be annoyed by um i went first last time joe so why don't you pick one first this time Ooh, okay um I, i'm gonna go with uh uh death cab for cuties title track Title track, uh, the title track from their uh, album. We have the facts, and we're voting yes. Uh, yeah. Which just to be out- clear, it is not called. We the the song is not called. We have the facts. We're voting yes. It's called title track. Yes, um, <laughs> which is uh, a, a kind of fun play on the yeah uh, classic Death Cab with yes. the photo album and everything. Yes. Um, it is, it is. Their sense of humor is, uh, unique, um, <laughs> and possibly slightly, uh, twee, possibly oh, too very. cute, but, um, that's, that's death cab in a nutshell. Yes. Possibly um, too cute. Possibly too cute. Um, <laughs> we're, we're d- dangerously in death cab humor territory ourselves. Uh, Paul, I'm glad you let that play. Uh, to the point where, um, to what I think is the best moment in the song, which mm-hmm. is after the first quarter uh, chorus, there's a switch from the sort of lo-fi basement to uh, Chris Wallace's extremely lush <laughs> production, um, yeah. which is a brilliant way to ramp the song up without adding, you know, too much extra distortion or or sound, um, just by cha- basically changing the way the song is being recorded halfway through. Um, yeah. 
as though someone like remembered to turn the instruments on or you know turn the amp on um but the, yeah the band was playing it, anyway it's like in the that ben fold song when uh he says uh some producer with computers fixes all my shitty tracks and then weird al turns up the turns down the suck fader and turns up the awesome fader um it's like that happened what wait what's the weird al part Oh, he's in the video for uh, that uh, Rock in the Suburbs. Oh, that's hilarious. I've never seen that video. I need to oh, see okay. that. Um, <laughs> uh, it's not like that, but funny story. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you watch the video, you'll know what I'm talking about. Go oh, on. Well. Um, uh, and uh, I think that that and then there's also the, the little con- snippet of conversation at the beginning where um, you hear Ben Gibber, Gibbard say, oh, no, that's and then the song kicks in. Um, mm-hmm. There's this perfect level of tension and um, slow urgency, which mirrors how uh, this whole album is going to proceed. Um, yeah. And, and I think that um, so to get to why this song is is meaningful um uh it's you know uh, it, it came out in 2000 i i grabbed this um uh, before uh just before i went to college um uh and uh quick quick story which i may have partially told on this i was on the weezer rules mailing list uh it's a <laughs> list serve uh, and someone on there linked to MP3s of two of Death Cab songs from their first album, um, w- one of which was Pictures in an Exhibition, uh, which is like this perfect little indie rock song. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of became like my first indie rock song that I ever loved. And I, I really closely considered using that one instead of this one for this. But I had a lot more to ended up having more to say about title track. Um, and but uh, and i have told this story that that album was not for sale at the local uh record store so i was forced to buy this one <laughs> uh, if i wanted to listen to death cab um and uh it was by far the slowest quietest album i'd ever heard um, and for <laughs> and back then uh i just I didn't have that many CDs, so I forced myself to listen to it like three or four times in a row uh, where I slowly li- realized how good it was. Um, and all that happening my s- senior year of high school, to me, this song, it just kind of, it's like meaningful because it, it it's like, like for someone who's like just going into their 20s and going to college, it really talks about the promise of adulthood. And there's like, you know this romantic sort of mm-hmm. depressed artist feeling <laughs> that awaits you um even though it's described in stark damning terms like throughout the album becoming like you know literally scientific at the end like it it just seemed that seemed very romantic to me at the yeah. time yeah um, you know the lyrics to this song are really good um, yes, I love this uh, classic Ben Gibbard sort of like uh, over the top pretentious poem style lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe because I am, uh, you, you'll be you be the judge, an over the top pretentious person. This is the kind of uh, <laughs> lyrics that appeal to me the most um, because they're both 
Um, they're both uh, uh, self-consciously well-written, and uh, but also they're concrete enough that you can tell what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah. Um, unlike you know, say a Billy Corgan, a lot of times where you're you're more going on sort of loose images and impressions than right. on uh, specific details. Um, here it's very it's very novelistic. Yeah, um, if I can say that in my NPR voice, you can. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, so that and and it does have that exact feeling you just described of sort of a, a, a jadedness that's covering up for a sort of pain and 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 sense of impending loss. Um, yeah. So yeah. I yeah, it's like I tried my best to keep my distance from your jest, but call response overturns convictions <laughs> every time, and then yeah. later like lushing with the hallway congregation my best judgment signed its resignation i mean that's like the kind of poetry like i would have written at the time i mean totally. or like and or like been like ah this is the best poem i've ri- i've ever written you know yep. um and i is, still think it's good it i'm not good. embarrassed by by liking this it's, good. it's good and i mean it paired with the um amazing production uh yeah. on this song and the album um and as the album you know here there's also this picture of like, you know, the kind of like casual affair or whatnot mm-hmm. that at that time uh, I was had no uh, idea. I couldn't like conceive of that existing. Um, yeah. Before you have sex, when you hear about people having sort of like adult sex that's not super romantic, it's like mind blowing. Right. Right. And this seemed like a good way to sort of like it, it was almost like the romantic view of that lack mm-hmm. of romanticism exactly um and now um and uh and and you know this album definitely went on to be one that i i shared with a lot of people you know it's like i i feel like a lot of friends i was definitely evangelized for it uh throughout the college got some converts to it mm-hmm. um and uh even though death cab Oh, I won't get to it. Uh, we don't have to get into that. You know, Death Cab, okay. they got popular and things things changed. Um, <laughs> I read a great interview with um, uh, Chris Walla, their you know, lead guitarist, and, and who produced all their albums until that he left for the last one. And he said that like for album after album, he would come in and it seemed like Ben Gibbard wrote all the songs. And he was like, he'd be like, Oh, it seems like you wrote this about my life. Like he just be like <laughs> shocked about how much of your, and then eventually that like slowly faded till at the end, he felt like he was just producing something mm. that he couldn't relate to at all. Yeah. Um, which happens when you, you know, that your lead singer starts dating someone famous, et cetera, <laughs> et cetera. Um, um, that's, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple, uh, disconnected thoughts one is um i'm looking at the genius uh dot com version of the lyrics for this and Mm -hmm. uh i always enjoy calling out the um the dumbass uh uh obvious comments on genius so the (laughs) the about title track summary so this is like the main comment on the whole song ends with ironically title track is not a true title track as the album's title and the songs do not coincide wow and i just thank you 
anonymous so, internet dumbass. I hope someone was laughing their ass off when they wrote that. <laughs> Hopefully they were high as fuck and thought that was really funny. That, yes. that would be best. Yes. Uh, second of all, I was thinking about Ben Gibbard, whose delivery is famously unique. Um, and just his melodies are famously unique. Um, mostly just in that they're very, they, they go up and down a lot. Um, uh, and are very melodic. Uh, <laughs> his melodies are melodic. Thank you. <laughs> um, I should put that on genius. Um, anyway, um, so, but then I was thinking about, they've done a couple of, uh, Morrissey covers, including my favorite song on, you can play these songs with chords is their cover of this charming man. Yes. Yes. Um, and uh, he sounds very natural singing Morrissey, but there's a difference to them. And I thought maybe a good description of Ben Gibbard is that he's slacker Morrissey. So, oh, um, I love that's it. Th- that's my thought. I love it. <laughs> it's probably my third or fourth favorite song on. You can play these song with chords. Um, yeah, that's that. That is a perfect way to describe all of this. Um, <laughs> uh, just. Although yeah. I guess eventually he became up super uptight Morrissey. Yeah, it's, you know, I haven't listened to any Death Cab album since Transatlanticism because I didn't hear any good things. Um, that's a fantastic but, place to stop, you know, yeah. and they have a great body of work up to that point, and there's no reason to ask more of them. <laughs> um, and I will, I will say a nice thing is that this album uh, happened to be uh, what I listened to uh, the night before my kid was born, when I was like sitting nice. up, kind of half nervously awaiting, um, so it had <laughs> what I knew was about to happen. So um, yeah, it has a nice uh, uh, second layer of meeting. It's stuck around. Yeah, got to get that that sort of uh, uh, jaded dread of becoming an adult in right before you have a baby. It's um, well, it's it's interesting that it's just like as that part of my life, which this once uh, uh, uh. sort of you know foretold was coming to a close i was listening to it again which i did not do on purpose perfect yeah um okay all right okay so now we're gonna move uh we'll we'll throw my most abrasive song at you first uh, and we'll listen to shoo shoo's uh sad pony gorilla girl the live version from life and live not the uh studio version from a promise okay i listened to the right one
Again, that was the live version of uh, uh, Sad Pony Gorilla Girl by uh, Shushu. Um, so uh, I actually had to listen to a bunch of Shushu songs uh, to pick the one I would use for this because um, they have a lot of songs that sort of do the same similar thing to me. And uh, uh, I don't know. There were just a few little details about this one that I especially liked. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, like a lot of Shushu uh it combines um real possible mental illness with uh, <laughs> some <coughs> with uh some uh also very catchy and uh beautiful music that also becomes really grating and uh tough to take i mean it, like that first sort of uh breakdown part where he's I don't know using what to mimic a sort of electronic sound that's on the album. Uh, it sounds sort of like a cat being tortured. Um, it's not like I especially enjoy that part of the song, but um, uh, somehow I, I appreciate that it's there adding uh, a sort of frisson of, of terror to yes. <laughs> what's going on in the music. Um, and uh, that just goes along and, and just to, you know, I, I would encourage people to stop and listen to the whole song because it, it builds to um, uh, a rather screamy and loud finale um, as he just goes into just bashing the guitar at the end. Um, but uh, uh, that um, that sort of musical juxtaposition of uh, uh, a fairly inviting little guitar figure combined with in you know uh over the top grading stuff goes really well with the story which is um a sort of gender bending abusive love relationship that was way more uh out there in 2003 when this was released than it is uh you know 15 14 years later um now that uh transgenderism has gone mainstream um uh i remember you know shushu was definitely one of the first uh artists i got into um, that was uh, heavily into uh, that sort of uh, aggressive rebelliousness. Yeah, I mean, but, certainly indie rock uh, had its own evolution to like really accept like queer voices into its mainstream. I mean, sure, it was yeah. Like cock, cock forward, like all <laughs> genres are when it started. Yeah, especially in the 90s, I guess you, it feels like anyway, looking yeah. back. I don't know. I, I yeah. wasn't really there in the 90s, um, <laughs> at least in the indie scene. Um, but, uh, you know, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things that get me um, in this song. Uh, so uh, another juxtaposition, you've got the sort of twee uh, with the, the little car, driving my little car, um, which later they have sex in the back of the little car. Right. Um, and the dangerous, uh, I like my gun. Um which, uh, again, you know, um, anytime you can sort of cross ideological barriers, uh, I appreciate that too. So, uh, you know, transgenderism is cool um, and self-expression is cool, but that crowd that's into those sort of things is not so into guns. So um, it's, 
uh, I always appreciate that sort of thing. And then, you know, also the way that the narrator talks about the gun, you know, I am your girl and I will protect you. But uh, the protection sounds a lot more like a threat given the, uh, the sort of strange and secret and, again, abusive nature of this relationship. And, you know, I've never been in a relationship like this. I uh, am uh, not much tempted towards gender fluidity myself, but, uh, you know, a really well-done piece of art um, that is infused with as much emotion and passion and uh, <laughs> danger as a performance like this one uh, can really suck you in anyway and, you know, sort of connect with you on a, at a higher level despite being grounded in more specific things. So uh, that's why I love the song. Yeah, I mean, I think that there even there's like the 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 power here, uh, you know, where you have this fantastic singer songwriter, um, and the weight of the words is so strong that you kind of go past what could be, you know, you you go past uh, sadness or sort of the other like first level emotions, and and you find this more uh, existential terror. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, at its core of, of someone who's like profoundly lonely and slightly disturbed and like, right, like abusive relationships and like gender fluidity, uh, unfortunately, um, probably go, uh, hand in hand yeah. more, especially in the early two thousands. Yeah. More than average, um, with, you know, someone obviously kind of taking advantage of the narrator in some way. Mm. Uh, and, um that's where you know it's it's like painful to hear that story too much but the this the um the crescendo that the song builds to um is really compelling um mm-hmm. when when you know it it gets to that sort of craziness i said it was in some ways i thought it was like uh, a super high David Byrne singing a slint song. <laughs> I love that description. That's great. Yeah. Uh, and um, <laughs> I want to get David Byrne super high now and see what comes out. Yes. Um. Uh, it, it, you know, it, and um, I, I knew there were, uh, there's other, um, I was trying to triangulate all the stuff this reminded me of, and I, I got to early bright eyes and mm. um and also um you know the the crazier parts of Bjork um, <laughs> in terms of where it like sits on that like cold cold direct power mm-hmm. um uh which uh, which i don't I don't hate I don't hate this band I think like um uh at all like i i think it's um to me it's they're they're so intense that yeah. i probably just uh don't uh, there i personally uh yeah. there's just so few times when i'm want to listen to this even though it's so good yeah you know you're you're right that is the correct uh the obvious way to think about it but uh there was actually a period where i listened to this at work a lot or not this but shushu generally <laughs> and uh I don't know, maybe it's because I was especially rageful at my drone job, but um, uh, I found it oddly, uh, oddly appropriate. I don't know. It didn't, it didn't feel like I was sh- uh, shoehorning uh, <laughs> weird outsider art into my job too, too strongly. It, it, it actually worked. But um, yeah, 
Uh, I'm glad we can agree on this. It's uh, something about Shushu, man. It's, uh, again, his life is so much more fucked up than mine, apparently. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, man, he's, he's so expressive about it. It's what I, I guess uh, what I've long thought is I've compared it to uh, expressionism, you know, the sort of like early 20th century uh, art movement of just heightening and exaggerating every emotion. Um, you know, like uh, uh, the movie M is a classic example of an expressionism. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, way over the top in order to uh, get the idea across. Sort of the opposite of what, you know, we often think of good art uh, doing, you know, working with subtlety and nuance. But um, if you push it far enough, you get ab- around, it's like horseshoe theory of art quality or something. Uh, you get back around to being good again. And that's that's what Shushu does for mm. me. Yeah, that... that um, uh, it makes sense, um, and uh, uh, I'm glad to have. I'm not sure I'd ever heard this song before, so it was good. Yeah, to I mean, this is a pretty it. obscure recording of it. Um, so <laughs> yes, uh. <laughs> yes, I don't think it's on Spotify. Uh, oh, is it not? I, I had to I own find it album, on YouTube. So, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, this album. Uh, this album has a lot. Uh, it's life and live, so it's like a random EP, which they have a bunch of EPs combined with a bunch of live versions of songs that are released uh on their studio albums and there are a lot of versions uh on this album that i love a lot and that have gotten stuck in my head many times paul this is a live versions of songs that you have listened to i know striking i know it's not usually my thing it is an official release though true um true (laughs) all right um uh i need a quick break because i need a new drink Okay, I need to plug my computer in. All right. Okay. And then think about which song you want to do next. Okay. Okay, I'm back. Yes, how was the Clippers game good? Uh, it was it was reasonably good. It was mm. uh, it was like the Clippers were ahead by six to eight points the entire second half. So. Ah, yes, one of those. Um, so always in doubt, never never actually terror. I wish I didn't feel so bad for Isaiah Thomas so I could <laughs> really fully enjoy the Celtics getting destroyed. Just the number just, one seed. I know, just uh think about think about your Shaden Freud for Bill Simmons. Yes, that uh, is who, what I'm doing. Who must just be like ripping his own balls off with anger about yes, all this. Yes. Yes. Especially um, because 
he he hedged all his bets on the Celtics. It was like, oh, they're not that great. They they won't make it in the playoffs. But there's no fucking way they'll lose to the Bulls. Right. Right. And also, it's like, uh, explain to how this team that's being slaughtered by the Bulls will be helped by, like, an 18-year-old, no matter how good they are. <laughs> I think my favorite part is going to be when he ha- writes, like, a really angry uh, 2020 hindsight column about how they should have traded for Paul George oh, uh, during yeah. the season. Oh, yeah. Or to Marcus Cousins. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, let's listen to uh, Clap Your Hands Say Yeah in this home. Okay. Oh, nice. home on ice uh, a track from clap your hands say yes uh first album uh what an indie uh a mid-2000s uh indie standard hmm. the album uh yes. i might say uh self-titled um uh and really they're only like agreed upon uh really good album I think people uh, like the other ones. They do. Uh, they yeah. have they have various problems with them, but we're not here to talk <laughs> about those. We're going to talk about uh, in this home on ice uh, a song I listen to just absolutely endlessly uh, in 2007 and 2008. Um, mm. It almost has a meaning beyond the song itself uh, because I just uh, would would play it. Um, all the time. It was a, <laughs> sort of a, a mantra type song for me. Um, uh, I, I think um, I, I had some trouble describing why I like the song. I mean, it's it's a good song. It obviously it kicks in right away, full mm-hmm. on. Uh, there's no intro, um, yeah. um, or just, outro, yeah, or chorus, <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a, I I like that a lot. I mean, I think that um, songs that sort of kind of come at you blazing, but aren't like a you know they don't have to be a, a hard rock uh, mm-hmm. uh, song um, that, that just kind of have that that constant groove throughout. 
Um, uh, um, and, and this one, you know, has a great moment, um, uh, where the, you know, the guitars drop out and it's really just him singing. Uh, I have a, probably like kind of a weird thing for his voice, um, Mm. which this song and also the last song on this album upon this tidal wave of young blood, uh, same thing. It's just like kind of a good one to scream along with, um, but ultimately, um, um, uh, you know, I do like, uh, I like the lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the lyrics are interesting. They're very, yeah. they're almost, uh, more of, uh, uh, about the sounds of the words than the meaning of the words in some places. Yeah. It's, it's a stream of consciousness onomatopoeia type deal mm. at some points. Um, yeah. but there, there's little gems, uh, just the, you know, the way he sings now that I'm so sad and not quite right. I could dance all night. Um, good yeah. mid twenties and, and every line has its own little melody in it, um, that, uh, makes you kind of come back to it. Um, you know, so even when you're listening to the ravaged cabbage drifts on dark red skies mm-hmm. and it looks so nice, um, it, it's, it's charming. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, Paul, do you have any comments on the the any comments <laughs> on the song itself before I talk maybe more about why it's meaningful for me? Oh, sure, yeah, no, um, uh, I agree. The song is surprisingly engaging despite sort of doing one thing the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Although he does vary his vocal delivery somewhat, um, it gets a little a little more into it by the end, um. It's, uh, you know, I hadn't, uh, this is the only one of these uh, six songs tonight that I didn't already own. Um, and Amazon had the uh, an- 10th anniversary edition on sale, so I just went ahead and mm, bought it, so now I have them all. There's some um, weird acoustic demos of all these songs on there. Yeah, I am not that tempted to listen to those, um, yeah. even though I like the album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe I will someday. I, there's just so much like music that somebody actually put effort into to listen right. to. Um, but, uh, th- you know, <coughs> the lyrics, um, I could not uh, pick out them, pick them out at all just listening to the song. But then you read them and um, they're actually rather striking. Um, again, uh, uh, you know, as compared to. Uh, ben Gibbard, for instance, um, I'm going to keep coming back to this theme of how lyrics work on a literal versus uh, imagistic level, by the way. Go for um, it. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of uh, specific details, but not any, really any specific scenes that it's easy to connect together anyway. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if maybe since they're from Philadelphia, it was uh, about a Flyers game since they mentioned blue and red uh, <laughs> and it's a home on ice. Um, but um, that seems unlikely. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, the um, maybe the Phillies, maybe the f- uh, the Flyers are black and red. That would totally fuck up my theory. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, the the overall impression you get from these, which you have to sort of like turn off your logic parsing and just sort of let the images wash over you, is um, actually sort of related to the themes we were talking about in title track. Um, it's again about sort of this sort of weird. Uh, uh, you know, liminal state between youth and adulthood, 
um, where you're not really sure what's going on with your life and you're, but in this case, rather than being sort of depressed about it, um, he sort of learns to uh, just enjoy it and sort of be in awe of the weirdness of it at the same time, I think is the, the general idea um, you get from it. And again, it's told in such uh, lyrical um, uh, language, uh, playing around with uh, internal rhymes and uh, so forth that uh, it ends up being just just very charming and it goes along with the uh, music that's very uh, you know it's loud it's sort of wall of sound production but not distorted and aggressive and uh, uh, it just sort of sweeps you along as a result Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 has a propulsive effect on you um, Mm -hmm. as uh, in its indie rock way um, and, uh, you know, I brought this song in as sort of representative of maybe like a group of songs that makes me uh, nostalgic for adulthood um, <laughs> or the entry to adulthood. I mean, it's from, I think, 2000. This album came out maybe in 2005, uh, but I was listening to it a little later, probably to maybe in 2006. I think I said 2007 before. Um, and uh, it um, says, you know, mid 20s um uh and there's a strong nostalgia there for that time and for when it was you know in front of instead of behind me uh and i think that um it's it's weird to have these songs from you know kind of this blog rock mp3 blog rock stage of indie rock kind of becoming Mm -hmm. part of you know being nostalgic to where there's 10 year anniversary editions and you know it's it's from an era before before you know it's from like two eras before we are now i mean i think that this you know kind of the clap your hands era to me it ended you know with sort of this rash of new bands in like 2009 2010 especially i liked you know like local natives sleigh bells best coast like there was like a new wave of you know more kind of joyful stoner rock that replaced you know chill wave was in there yeah yeah dream pop uh really rose to the top over a lot of bands kind of mixing that classic rock sound with alternative um Mm -hmm. which so many indie bands did like clap your hands say yeah um wolf parade maybe yeah yeah wolf parade uh, i think tv on the radio Mm -hmm. uh, maybe slightly smaller bands like uh tapes and tapes um uh, there there's uh certainly a lot more (laughs) yeah uh in that list um uh the walkman uh excellent exhibit islands even um broken social scene maybe even at the fourth you know the yeah. bleeding edge of that. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know if it's easy to draw a line between all those, but that's definitely like, it feels like a generation in my head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A generation. And so to have nostalgia for that time um, is, uh, and and to see it as something that happened a long time ago is interesting. And I think it's yeah. how a lot of those songs are starting to have a very different meaning for me. Um, like I said, there's a group of songs, I'm sure from each of those bands, there's one that I could kind of pull out and say, you know, tied to some specific memories of that time or when I was listening to it. Um, this one I probably picked a little more because, you know, it wasn't a single, I think just fewer people know this song and, and, 
um uh it's it's not like one of their most popular so um feels a little more personal um but that's interesting because i think it is one of the best on the album yeah yeah it 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 is i i agree um (laughs) and yeah and i think that you know that like i said that era kind of ended um well in rainbows came out which was kind of a turning point uh and, and maybe like the last album from that like chunk even though of course it's very different um yeah. and uh uh i don't know and it's and then you know to just um uh, so many of the songs we talk on here we talk about are from the the 90s or part of that like alternative rock phase or like their bands that are like part of that um to start thinking about bands that are from a totally different generation in the same way of as those is is uh uh very interesting oh yeah i mean this dude is 39 <laughs> he's right. almost 40 right wolf parade is having a reunion tour yes um, <laughs> uh so yeah uh it's fun as hell to think about this like which literally clap your hands say yeah i remember was like the band like when they became big where i was like oh i can't keep up with all these new bands anymore for a little while i'm not like right. that anymore right um and then that was as long ago from now as like the Smiths, the Queen is Dead was from when I started getting into music. And the stuff from before I was into music at all seems like it happened uh, like around the time of like the Gettysburg Address in terms right. of my perception of it, you know? Right. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, this is the experience every human goes through, especially in the pop culture era. Um, you know, maybe it is a new experience of the last you know, three quarters of a century to feel really old all the time. Um, yeah, both. Yeah. Well, because knows? there's like this greater ability to like extend your adolescence, like uh, forever, but like certainly into your thirties. Yeah. Now. And also um, to experience the culture of a few generations ago. Yes. Um, which you couldn't really do in 17 and 50, except for if you like had one of the 10 copies of Robinson Crusoe that existed or whatever. Um, right. Uh, good. Yes. Yes. It is quite different from that. Um, and and broken social scene has a new single apparently. Um, Oh, wow. Interesting. (laughs) I have to check that out. Um, another nostalgia cash in. Yeah. Um, um, uh, I, I, yeah, that's, that's about it. I, I think that, um, in, yeah my only closing thought is well i mean like what like you said like there is you know you get to like now melancholy is older oh yeah than than uh like pink floyd's the wall was when melancholy came out you know exactly and and that that shit is crazy (laughs) um and to, to that have that stuff be happening to you know more and more waves of albums is yeah and and building meaning on top of that is really interesting so yeah um, and a good way to commemorate it with a very sort of uh charmed song about the process of going through life yes um okay what's what's next paul i'm gonna drop some lithonia by circuit des you on you okay
that song again was Lithonia by Circuit Does You, an artist that uh, uh, I can't believe is not bigger and more famous, but um, that's me. I mean, she has some following in indie circles. She gets good press uh, from the from the indie world, um, but I haven't heard, nobody has ever come up to me, uh, has ever discussed Circuit Does You with me where I wasn't just telling them about this person that uh, they had never heard of. It's it's um, even hard to find the lyrics to this song online. Oh, I couldn't find them. I looked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to not be on Genius, I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, uh, I agree. It's insane. Um, and uh, so this is the... The Circuit is You is really the project of Haley Four, who also uh, records and performs under the name Jackie Lynn, which is her more to, sort of like weirdo country pseudonym. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, so um, this album is great. This song is awesome. It's very reminiscent to me of uh, Nico. Um, yeah. From back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wrote. Th- I wrote that down. It's hard Strong to avoid vibes. that comparison. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because she's got that really deep uh, voice for a woman, and also uh like some of those classic nico songs the reliance on like chamber orchestra type instrumentation here which is not really true of the rest of the album or her other albums um so uh you know on the one hand the song um you know it's almost uh too straightforwardly um you know just like i'm gonna sing a sad song over uh string instruments um but a that's done pretty well i love her voice i can't get enough of it um i think in range she might actually be like a tenor which i know is technically like not uh i i I don't know maybe that's technically not possible um but uh uh probably can sing more deeply than i can um and more highly um (laughs) and uh then um uh but a, you know, there are a few good images like when your unpaid bills start to scream. Which, mm-hmm. if you've ever been 23 and had a lot of bills you weren't paying, which I have, <laughs> that is that hits home. Um, but then um, <coughs> towards the end, she starts applying a bunch of distortion to the cellos and violas and violins and everything, mm-hmm. and it's just like just the right amount of um, uh, serration added to. Uh, what theretofore has been uh, pretty easy to swallow. And then also uh, to pair with that, she starts singing, uh, she stops singing so tunefully and goes instead for almost like a desperate spoken word um, near yelp at times. 
that, um, uh, you know, just uh, juxtaposition is my word of the day, um, or synthesis is actually what I was going to go for here, um, of, of beauty and despair, which is uh, a, a classic way to make great art, and I think she nails it right here. Um, and even though the song sort of ends, if you listen all the way through on a hopeful note, doesn't it feel grand to have a second chance? Uh, you know, knowing what one knows about life, maybe this is just a factor <laughs> of being a l- little older, um, it actually is almost even sadder that way because uh, it, it's easy to read it as a moment of self-deception rather than redemption. So, <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah. Um, it, and uh, I, that's why I wish I could see the lyrics because I felt like there are many moments in this that had that sort of uh, desperate hope where, mm-hmm. you know, you felt like she was saying something because uh, she wanted to believe it more than exactly. it was her actual conviction. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this song is one of those songs where it's it's so beautiful from start to finish. You listen to it, you wonder, like, how why, it, this seems so easy. Like, why isn't every song <laughs> so good? Like, it's so obvious how to make a, a gorgeous, uh, striking, you know, song with this sort of lush instrumentation or this, you mm-hmm. know, actual thoughtful lyrics and um that you know really considered yet still surprising uh build up but you know there it is it's it's it to it's so rare it, nonetheless you had right. to do it and not be just copying or a pale imitation of something that you know has happened yeah. before um that's where you know you don't realize that what's beautiful about it is that uh it's something you haven't heard before and that's certainly uh from the distorted cellos to sort of the you know that modern take on nico uh there's Mm -hmm. a lot of unique uh beauty in this song absolutely yeah you know i think ultimately and this goes back to our last meaningful music episode my favorite art is uh you know like i love modern and postmodern art that uh gets into you know, things that were not classically considered artistic, things that are ugly or abrasive. Um, I mean, my whole foundation of musical taste is uh, aggressive, loud, over-the-top, distorted grunge songs. Mm -hmm. Um, (coughs) But I think my favorite things, the things that hit me the hardest, are always these things that are these works of art, whether it be, um, you know, a movie or a song or a book or whatever that is not afraid to reach for beauty and even sentiment, uh, but does it in, you know, earns it just hard enough that you can, um, that it's still, uh, and maybe even incorporate some of those uh, abrasive elements uh, that um, it, it never verges into sappiness or smarm, um, which is, you know, my, my, my nemesis in art. So, um, she pulled it off here and props to props to Haley. Definitely. What is, uh, is that, you know, what, what made you pick this as a meaningful? Yeah. Track? I, I mean, really, as soon as this is one of those songs where the first time I heard it, I just loved it. Yeah. And she pretty much, uh, had me hooked on her entire career from that <laughs> moment. Um, she's released two albums su- since then. One is Jackie Lynn. One is circuit does you that are, uh, uh, range from good to extremely good. Um, so uh, all recommended 
Um, and again, still, still not as popular as she should be. When I saw her here in Tucson, I think I mentioned this on a previous episode. I might have been the only person who was not like with the band or one of the opening acts, <laughs> which sucks. But yeah. at least I got to see her. <laughs> yes, that's a good way. Sometimes that's a good way to see an artist. Yeah, um, I did my best to, uh, as I always do, stand up and be enthusiastic and uh, 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 signal my interest in the music. So. Totally, totally. Uh, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, they didn't. It kind. Of, I always feel like in in the end, it's kind of freaking them out. Yeah, a little. <laughs> also true. I tried to, you know, you got to try to modulate it, which I really did try to do, which sucks too, because then you have to be self-conscious about what you're doing during this aesthetic experience, but uh, such is the nature of, of things. It's like when I saw Cayetana uh, now, uh, I think gain, gaining in popularity a little, which is good, um, rightfully so, and uh, they were opening for another not as good band, but I was like in the front row, like jumping and like singing all the lyrics and, um, <laughs> the, you know, the lead singer, uh, Augusto was there. I was like, am I freaking her out? I might be freaking her out a little bit. Just, yeah, <laughs> it seemed to be like kind of a weird fan. It's like, I just like all the songs. <laughs> yeah. I did the same thing to the guys in Swans. So, yes. oh well. <laughs> um, uh, at least their music in, invites freakish uh, uh, yes. displays of emotion a little more. And in fact, that's explicitly what Michael Gira says he gets out of performing the music. So um, <laughs> hopefully hopefully it worked for him. Well, <laughs> anyway. this, this is a great song, and I'm going to have to um, – you've told, told me about her before, and I need to uh, explore more of her career. Yeah, as I mentioned, none of the rest of her songs sound anything like this, but they're, they're good anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Joe, shall we listen to Minneapolis by That Dog? We should. All right. That Dog dot to maintain Savage Beast uh, naming conventions. Indeed. I was at the Jabberjaw, the cutest boy I ever saw. He was standing behind me. He was such a dream. He kept looking right my way I wanna see him every day Randy told me where he lives In Minneapolis Hung around for closing time I wanna make him mine all mine Told my friends I want to leave And they embarrassed me Took my keys out Minneapolis by That Dog off their uh, excellent 1997 alternative rock album Retreat from the Sun, um, uh, which was actually their final album. They released three oh, was in, it? in the mid-90s and uh, broke up for various reasons after that. Uh, lead singer Anna Warnaker 
uh, went out and did a little bit of a solo career. Um, this album produced by uh, that dog and also Brad Wood, who mm. produced uh, a lot of the tracks for Adore, who Anna Warrenker's brother, Joey Warrenker, played drums on. It's yep. all a rich uh, tapestry. Of course, Petra Hayden on here, mm-hmm. uh, who does the strings and the backup vocals, uh, frequent Weezer collaborator, uh, and also probably most famously known as the uh, guitar, uh, the violin for the violin on um, uh, Green Day's Good Cypress? Riddance. Oh, she did Good Riddance? Yes. I never knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that is getting away from this song, uh, Minneapolis, um, which so that dog is um, actually picked this song because I knew this song was meaningful to me. And I really had never really considered why um, I, I just knew that I always like loved going back to listen to it and to this album in general. And it's because this is the first band where I realized like a female voice and narrator could speak for me in mm. music i mean prior to that like my teen acts angst has been something that i thought was like very particular to like like guys understood <laughs> it you know like women were the other they were like the opposition you know yeah. that, that this you know my story was like they just like pop yeah, well no not not in that no 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 that's not, not okay. like that like more like not about like the taste of women but like more like about the just like there was a particular experience of like devastating tragic love that like mm. you know i as a um a, a, a dude <laughs> like went through and that's why like and like billy corgan was like my yeah. like mentor and soulmate you know um yeah. and and um but here on this and many of the other songs on this album were like the story of cr- like like crushes and this like um feeling of both like agency and loss of control at the same time like it and and that um here was like my ability like i understood that like as much as like rivers could sing about mm-hmm. what I was feeling, so could you know uh, uh, that dog and and the woman. And I mean that was a big deal. I mean obviously now I like dozens, probably <laughs> hundreds of female artists and female singers. Um, and but yes, like before that, probably it was only like pop singers that I'd ever liked that were women. Like, I, I don't think I had like an Elastica CD or anything like, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't like it was a novelty. I mean, like in some ways it was, you know, unfortunately, I saw that, you know, the female lead singer is like a novelty, like in garbage. Um, yeah. Uh, and here it was definitely like, did feel novel in the 90s. Like, oh, these are the three bands who are on the radio that have women uh, singing on the rock station. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So here, here, here was a band where it was like, no, this is, um, uh, it's it's a real connection. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, to return to my, uh, it's interesting that you say the the connection was so strong, so strong there because to return to my uh, theme of the sort of level of detail in these lyrics, this is by far the most concrete song we're talking about today. 
um it's uh uh i mean she almost uh, besides saying uh that just won't do it's almost all uh actual details of a scene or two that happen um without even any editorializing about it on it too much um and uh uh, it's interesting because again, it's so specific. She was at the Jabberjaw, a famous coffee shop slash uh, concert venue in Los Angeles, um, and sees a cute boy, and he's from the somewhat random place of Minneapolis, um, <laughs> which becomes a surprisingly catchy chorus. Just that one word, um, and uh, so it's interesting that the the connection uh, that she's able to of the you know the the sort of doomed attraction that she's able to sketch out with these details uh, was able to connect with you in an entirely different situation so well even at a young age um and that as a result you actually sort of expanded your idea of how human connection can work in some ways so um yeah that's cool yeah yeah (laughs) i like i love the structure where the chorus is just like the one word so it's just kind of it's almost like so she just has to keep saying it different ways. It feels like a it, it yes exactly, uh, which she does well. Good voice, good voice. Yeah, um, which is more like I feel like it's kind of like a old fashioned like singer thing where like the the chorus is more to just like everyone in the room is kind of singing or playing along and it like brings everybody back into the same time and you know like mm-hmm. gets them on the same page again before like you get back to like one person in the chorus like leading things. Um, uh, like back to the story because this is such a story um, mm-hmm. driven song um, where she's talking about this, this guy that she, you know, shares this pretty quick mutual infatuation with. And then yeah, um, they talk about going to, it's see, not even a love story. It's yeah. like a, a mild crush story. They like, they talk <laughs> about going to see like low together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good nineties indie. Really sad. Absolutely. Um, uh, and you know, she just quickly is like, I'm in love with this guy. And then, and then is like, no, no, I'm not moving to Minneapolis. Like, <laughs> exactly. But, well, and the song's kind of about like, like, oh, I would never do that. But also what if I had, like, she's singing the song yep. later about it. So it's like something to experience and she experienced. And I think like to go back to the first song, um, the to title track, like this again was when I first heard it about an experience like you know sort of like a a, i probably thought of her as like a giant rock star at this point now i understand that you know there are levels of being a rock star that you know she wasn't like that's funny i always felt with that dog even in high school like i'm listening to the most obscure band no one has ever heard of these people but anyway yes well that's mm, that might also be true i'd have to dig (laughs) through my memories to feel like how i perceived them but (laughs) Again, it's like this seems like such even though this is such like just something that happens to someone when they're 22, like when you're 17, this seems like an incredibly adult yes. like interaction to have had with someone. Yep. Um, so, you know, I think that 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 theme, it's interesting that it's like the songs I picked, there were two that sort of bracket me actually having those experiences with the <laughs> clap your hands, say yeah song in the middle. <laughs> yep absolutely Um, you know it's it's funny you mentioned that they the way they arrange a second meeting is that he says come see me at at the low concert um which again like it's 
she probably didn't even realize it at the time, but it's another thing that makes the whole setting incredibly specific because now no one would ever be like, let's have our second date by mentioning a a public event that we will both likely want to go to in the future. Now it would be like, yeah, I'll text you in 10 minutes. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a really, really charming little song from a generally charming album and a charming band. Um, that uh, I was also thinking, listening to this, like, it's amazing how well-produced this is for it being an, obs- an incredibly obscure 90s band. Um, yeah, that's why... That's why yeah. I looked up the producer because I was like, "Why <laughs> does this album still sound so good?" I know I was expecting it to sound dated, and it really doesn't at all. Um, I think it also speaks to just how much bigger recording budgets were back then when people bought music. Um, yes, this is like the, the last year people did that. Um, so uh, yeah, there are costs to all the free music people have been getting, which is that. Um, uh, Indie bands don't sound as good anymore. Yeah, um, I was trying to remember what Brad Wood produced that made him so famous, um, and it's uh, Exile and Guyville, um, which oh. I I later discovered, which it took me forever to listen to that, and I finally uh-huh. realized like I never knew what that dog was going for, and it's one hundred percent Exile and Guyville, like which is a <laughs> template for this and so many um, uh, other. Uh, uh, you know, uh, female-fronted bands uh, of the late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, it's um, like when we talked about uh, Hole's album <laughs> earlier in this podcast, and I realized, like, oh, this is what Dilly Dally is trying to do. Yes, no idea. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, we should talk about Exile and Guyville at some time. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he also produced Sunny Day Real Estate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, well-produced album. Uh, and really there, I, I think Anna Warrenker is, she is a lead songwriter. She is just was very talented uh, uh, at what she does. And there's a lot of variety on this album in terms of like um, pop, mm-hmm. like beautiful pop. alternative pop. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great album. Like this, if you would ask me what my favorite song from retreat from the sun was an album, I listened to a bunch in high school. Um, this would probably, even though it's a great song and I was like, I understood as soon as you picked it, uh, this probably wouldn't, might not have been one of the first five I picked. Um, it's very strong start to finish. Um, many of them have been stuck in my head all the time. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yes, Long Island, Every Time I yes. Tried, Never Say Never, Gagged yes. and Tied, they all... Uh, all of them. Yep. <laughs> all very good. Yep. Okay, um, so now we're going to play uh, another California female-led pop rock uh, semi-grungy band, uh, Best Coast, with their song Fear of My Identity from Fade Away. Okay. Last 30 seconds, I'll wait for him Last 30 seconds, I'll wait for him To begin, to begin Last 30 seconds, I'll wait for him Last 30 seconds, I'll wait for him To begin, to begin Getting longer, the pain is getting 
about a minute to calm down uh, <laughs> listening to the first minute and a half of that song. Um, so this is a song, Fear of My Identity, that I first heard on another podcast, the now defunct uh, Free Radicals by James Poulos. Um, but uh, this, uh, I wasn't even really a Best Coast fan hmm. before I heard this uh, song. I mean, I'd listened to their, I think they had maybe just the one album before this. I could be wrong. Um, but, um, it was just sort of, I wasn't that I disliked Best Coast, but I, you know, wasn't especially compelled by, uh, fun, sunny pop rock. As you can tell from my choices for meaningful music episodes, if it's not, uh, at least sad and probably disturbing, it's probably not going to make my upper tier (laughs) of songs. Um, uh, nothing wrong with happy music. I do love a lot of it, but those are the things that really get me. Um, so... Um, this, uh, this song though, um, man, just as soon as I started listening to it for real, it Mm. beat the shit out of me. Um, it's in a lot of ways, uh, one more time on the lyrical levels thing. It's the opposite of Minneapolis. Um, there are, uh, the most detailed it gets is like, there's a guy that she's looking at. Um, and he's doing something. It's not even well described. And yet, um, it's incredibly emotionally powerful nonetheless. Um, you know, part of it is that, um, it's got sort of a weird structure for a brief, uh, uh, song that's, that as far as how it's written is mostly very pop. Um, but rather than being sort of the classic, like, uh, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, uh, chorus thing, um, you know, A, B, A, B, C, B, it's uh, A, B, C, A, B, C, and then D, which is a whole other movement. Not saying this is totally revolutionary, but just uh, a little bit more variety in a guitar pop song mm-hmm. um, takes you to different places. And yeah. then also, <laughs> yeah, uh, what's in those? I mean, so if you if you sort of summarize what's in each of those movements, the song really goes like sort of an elliptical scene of like a relationship that's probably breaking down. You would guess from the like two sentences in each part of it to pure bile um, expressed very straightforwardly. The, the fear uh, I'm going to get this wrong. Let me look it up. So I don't say the wrong words in the wrong order. Um, But you know, the nights are getting longer. The pain is getting stronger. The hate is getting darker and the fear is growing larger. No, particular art to that but you do get the sort of pure just like uh anger and unhappiness to then i think one of the most one of the most perfect pop song aphorisms i've ever heard uh Mm -hmm. you taught me that my heart would grow old um which is just i I, what's Mm. so great about it is that it's placed you know first of all in this very sort of uh uh energetic pop rock but it's really a very uh, mature and um, a, uh, sentiment um, because it's not only um, about growing older, but it's about your heart growing older. Um, that you're, you know, your own. You know, she's she's clearly being inspired by these scenes of her relationship with this person, uh, this man, I should say. He's, she calls him a him, um, and uh, but. You know, at the same time that she's feeling all of these emotions, she can feel her ability to have these emotions uh, fading away. And you taught me that my heart would grow old. I mean, they're just a few different ideas compressed into that one sentence. Um, 
and a few different feelings because there's also some sort of like you know she's accepting this bad thing happening to her and there's some sort of beauty in coming to terms with that and then at the very end we just go into pure terror at <laughs> the nature of existence right um which <laughs> things escalate quickly yeah which ends up being the perfect way to end uh what's a very disturbing song and um you know one more juxtaposition here for me um we've got a first rate pop rock song combined with incredibly dark lyrics um that are not happy at all which again is a little bit of a departure from the uh, best coast template and the result is that i've listened to this song like a couple dozen times which is super rare for me um and uh you know sort of been uh punching a hole in my chest almost every single time yeah um so and i know that's an experience you've had too because i believe i shared this song with you at uh, a particularly vulnerable time in your own life so well uh, (laughs) yes yes and i mean i I think it's just i mean there's no resisting this song at at any point um in uh, when uh, while i can only agree with what you said i mean i think this of i think of the the 12 songs Mm mm-hmm that we've shared, I mean, that's probably the one that's closest to just being one that, like, I, I easily could have picked. Um, mm-hmm. I think you probably feel slightly, it's probably more meaningful to you than it is to me, but um, okay. it certainly meets the meaningful music criteria. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'll start at the end and just say, you know, that the those the that end Mm-hmm. section which appears nowhere else in the song uh and an outro if you will um i don't even know if that's how you describe it where genius.com labels it as an outro so yeah in agreement with the random editors of genius where, where you're like you know the fear of my identity is standing right in front of me mm-hmm. as it's just such a yeah, it's such a core yeah. uh, feeling where you know that like all the things that are wrong in your life are like your own mm-hmm. fault, not your own fault, but they're like just the product of you being the person you are and the things that like happen to you and the mm-hmm. things that you just happen to be like the way you are, your personality is, your history, family, friends, whatever are, you know, like just all these things have, have just happened and like you, yeah. you haven't had nearly as much control over your identity and maybe never will, you know, that's uh, interesting. Cause I actually have a different reading of that line. Okay. Um, in, th- not saying that it's wrong, but just, right. I always interpreted it more as, um, uh, the identity that you construct with your own actions and the fear that you are the, <laughs> The reason you're an asshole is you, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that, w- like, whether how what like you know, nature versus nurture versus sure. your own work. The the end result is like you and yeah. your life has built you into something that is now responsible for. Yeah. Um, However, you got there. Shit. I agree. Yes. You, you have to deal with that. Yeah. Um. So the song. It, and I think you put it well in that it, it takes many like sort of thoughtful sentiments and, and couches them in like really great poppy alternative dream stoner rock. 
mm-hmm. um, which is what Best Coast does. I mean, Best Coast, I think that, you know, uh, Bethany and crew are wildly inconsistent, but um, <laughs> I, I, whenever they're at their best, um, have an ability to um, so perfectly capture, um, you know, if, if, if you... How do I want to say this? If you and I, or one of us, uh, or so many people, um, were try were like got really stoned and tried to write, like mm-hmm. create art, um, like write a song, like yeah. there's just so many times when that would like go very badly, you know, uh-huh. or like the sentiment would end up cheap, or like you wouldn't quite in the morning you'd have to fix it. And I feel like the best ghost occasionally is in that situation and just like cranks out like something perfect. Yep. Um, from that haze. Um, that is fair. Uh, uh, and like, I mean, and, and I think this this song stands out because the sentiments are so, like, they bitter. ring so true <laughs> and bitter and deep. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. another, like, a song like, you know, When I'm With You, which is another favorite song by them, um, you know, its deepest thought is... Uh, the world is lazy but you and me were just crazy you know or (laughs) i hate sleeping alone and she still you know brings a lot of uh sort of like joyful angst to that but yeah i forget um, who it was but it was like slate or somebody so like before the cp came out or maybe around the time of it published a takedown of best coast where the person just made fun of how like yeah i remember that and unimaginative all the lyrics are and i was like yeah but then this comes out and you know occasionally she hits on just a perfect line and uh god bless her for it um and it's it's um you know the stoner rock they're the stoner rock heirs to weezer absolutely no it definitely does feel like um (laughs) More mature, uh, but less perhaps uh, 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 cracked genius Weezer uh, is how I might describe it most of the time. The yes. song, though, is perfect. Yes. Um, um, and uh, <coughs> part of a glory, like I said, part of a really glorious era of indie rock um, that included, you know, includes like Sleigh Bells and Local Natives uh, and um, some other bands that really came around at the the turn of the tens, if you will, mm-hmm. um, waves, dumb, dumb girls, or just, well, either dumb, dumb girls or girls, uh, are <laughs> two bands that, uh, might fit perhaps the more, um, thoughtful qualities of this song. Uh, we'll sign it as same surfer blood. And yep. <laughs> um, the still chugging along tennis, um, yeah, uh, a, lot a lot of, of these bands, bands are still chugging along. You know, yeah, local yeah. natives had an album last year. Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah, few of them. I don't know which which one of those bands has the best recent, uh, you know, m- most recent album. Oh, that's I'd a have good. To think about it from from like this group. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's a really good question. Um, they I might don't be know. Best Coast, even Best though I don't Co- well, particularly love their last album. I think I like Real Estate a lot, and I think they've put together. I think their ah. albums are still a little bit yeah. more consistently enjoyable. 
I never got that into real estate. Maybe we should argue about them sometime. Yeah, um, sleigh bells, sleigh bells, certainly not number I one. I also never got into sleigh bells. <laughs> I like their their one album, but they're not their follow up albums have not been good. <laughs> um, but I actually think girls, uh, the band girls, and then also Dumb Dumb Girls are probably, um, yeah. you know, really good. But they just don't make music anymore as yeah uh, under their monitors. Yeah, and again, I'm not into the girls guys' uh, solo albums that much. So ah, interesting. Um, anyway, um, cool. This has been a long one, Joe. We should we should cut yeah. it off. It's also Vivian Girls. I mean, the list goes on and on um, yeah. with bands with girls in the name. Um, <laughs> okay, Paul, I feel I feel suffused with meaning. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go listen to uh, to Funky Town to cleanse the palate. Mm, I'll, um, be, I'll be under, I'll be the ocean under the moon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, check us out on Twitter at Savage Beast Pod, email savagebeastpod at gmail.com. And rate and review and subscribe on iTunes. We love all that shit. Uh, good night, Joe. Good kick versus versus ghosts hovering above them. Cold stuttering skips in the tape, a vision of Lake, a cold cloud field shrouded and secluded upon a winding road. <laughs> Nature and existence are the same thing, basically. Swerve through the curves amazingly. Paint me like a surgical portrait of your soul's wild energy. Wow, that's beautiful. Blessed. Have a nice dream. Peace, Allah, Aztec, yoga, Kool-Aid, D, Allah, whoop, whoop, Jah Rasta, whoop.